Okay, Christ Church, I think we're uh, getting, getting ready to start here, 1045. Good to see you here worshiping with us in the house of the Lord. This is our first Sunday in November, and um, today we have a special emphasis. We're closing out. Uh, we've been going through weeks and weeks of emphasizing prayer, um, praying for ourselves and our families and our church and our community and uh, just, just for our nation in general. And today, we are going to be praying with the hope of the return of Jesus Christ. And every believer in Jesus should have this, this cry, this heart cry, that is, Lord Jesus, come. Lord, we're, we, we are ready for you to come back. We're going to talk a lot more about what that means a little bit later today, but we're going to be singing songs today that I think really emphasize this cry of our heart of every uh, child of God, that we are ready for the return of Jesus, and if we're not, we should be. Amen? So what we're going to sing uh, to start us off this morning is the Lion and the Lamb. So let's stand together as we worship. Who can be against us? Who can stop the Lord Almighty? Who can 
Thank you, guys. You may be seated. We're going to have a time of scripture and prayer with Miss Lynn Owen. Good morning. I'm going to be reading from Zechariah 14, 1 through 9. Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations, as he fights in the day of battle. And in that day, his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall be split in two, from east to west making a very large valley. Half of the mountain shall move toward the north and half of it toward the south. Then you shall flee through my mountain valley, for the mountain valley shall reach to Azel. Yes, you shall flee as you fled from the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. It shall come to pass in that day that there will be no light. The lights will diminish. It shall be one day, which is known to the Lord, neither day nor night, but at evening time it shall happen that it will be light. And in that day it shall be that living waters shall flow from Jerusalem, half of them toward the eastern sea and half of them toward the western sea. In both summer and winter it shall occur, and the Lord shall be king over the earth. In that day it shall be the Lord is one in his name one. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, Lord, we love you so much. And we are just in awe of the love that you show us. Lord, that even in these uncertain days, we can rest in the knowledge of your deep love. And Lord, I just thank you for this church, Lord, and for our brothers and sisters in Christ, Lord, and just the opportunity that we have, Lord, and the freedom to meet together, Lord, and to encourage one another, 
lift one another up, and most of all, worship you, Lord. And Father God, I just thank you that Jesus is coming back to set up his kingdom on earth, Lord. And I just pray for that wonderful day when he will set his feet back on the Mount of Olives and be crowned King of King and Lord of Lords. And so, Lord, we just pray that worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And Lord, we just praise you so much that you love us so much and you became a man so that by death that you would destroy death and give us all who believe in you eternal life. And so, Lord, we also want to thank you for your word because in the best and worst of times, your words bring unshakable peace and joy. And Lord, let your words become to us a joy and the delight of our heart. And so, Lord, today we're living in a world where the enemy has come to steal, to kill, to destroy. And he comes to destroy completely, Lord. And if you didn't command him to stay his hand, he would have the freedom to completely destroy everything, including our lives. But, Lord, your plan is different. Your plan is that we will have life and have it to the fullest. So, Lord, as we approach the election, Lord, just help us to remember that you reign and are sovereign above all else. And, Lord, we just thank you for providing the living water, your presence, your love, your Holy Spirit, and your peace. While everything in this world will leave us dry and thirsty, you, Lord, are always willing to give your living water to us. And so, Lord, we pray for that day that you come. But Lord, the good news is that we don't have to wait for then to receive your living water. We can ask for it right now. This living water, Lord, is the peace of God that we need in our hearts to satisfy our souls. So yes, we look forward to the day that the Lord will reign over the whole earth. But the good news is that he can reign in our hearts here and now. We don't have to wait. So as we await your coming, Lord, we can be certain that the Lord will be king over the whole earth. And on that day, there will be one Lord and his name, the only name. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, please come. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand as we continue to worship?
course together one more time. I want to hear your voices. continue to worship. We're going to read 1 Thessalonians 4 this morning. We're going to do this corporately. 1 Thessalonians 4 verses 13 through 18. But we do not want you to be uninformed brothers about those who are asleep, that you may not grieve as others do who have no hope. For since we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so, through Jesus, God will bring with those who have fallen asleep. For this we declare to you by a word from the Lord, that we who are alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will not precede those who have fallen asleep. 
For the Lord himself would descend from heaven with a cry of command, with the voice of an archangel, and with the sound of the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive, who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Amen. So one of the things that you'll hear me share in just a moment is that as we await and we anticipate and as we expect the return of Jesus Christ, guys, we have one role. We have one purpose. God has sent us with one set of marching orders, and that hasn't changed for 2,000 years, right? He said, therefore, go and make disciples. And so this next song is a truly a, 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 an anthem to the Great Commission. And so we can't forget our purpose until we go to be with him or he comes back. We're here to make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's sing this together.
You may be seated. We're going to have another time of prayer and scripture reading with your Steve Graves. This scripture is one. Marcus has picked out and one that I picked out. Matthew 24, verses 26 through 35. Therefore, if they say to you, look, he is in the desert, do not go out. Or look, he is in the inner rooms, or do not believe it. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, 
so also will your coming of the Son of Man be. For wherever the carcass is, there the eagles will be gathered together. Immediately after the tribulation of these days, the sun will be darkened and the moon will not give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and the power of the heaven will be shaken. Then the sign of the Son of Man will appear in the heaven and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn and they will see the Son of Man coming from the clouds of heaven with power and great honor. And he will send us his angels with a great sound at a trumpet and they will gather together his elect from the four winds from one of the heaven to the other. Now learn this parable from the fig tree. When the branch has already become tender and puts forth its leaves, you know that the summer is near. So you also, when you see all these things, know it is near at the doors. Assuredly, I say to you, this generation will be no means pass away till all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no man pass away. Then, during this time of all this COVID and stuff, some assurance by God says in Psalm 91, He who dwells in the sacred place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress. My God, in Him I will trust. Surely He shall deliver you from the snare of the fowler. And from the perilous pestilence, he shall cover you with his feathers, and under his wings you shall take refuge. His truth shall be your shield and buckler. You shall not be afraid of the terror by night, nor by the arrow that flies by day, nor by the pestilence that walks in darkness, nor by the destruction that lays waste at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, and ten thousand at your right hand, but it shall not come near you. Only with your eyes shall you look, and see the reward of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your refuge, even the Most High, your dwelling place, no evil shall befail you, nor shall plague come down upon your dwelling. Let's pray. Amen. Father God, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we're allowed to come to this country and worship freely. God, not many people in many countries can worship freely. They have fear of their life. They're they do not allow them to practice what we practice. They do not allow them to gather in public places. They have to hide in secret places to be able to worship. And we're so honored to be able to have that freedom that we have today. And I pray to God that we do not turn away from the freedom that we have, that we take and follow you and you alone. And we follow and we vote according to your will, not our will, of the who we put in office this day, Lord, that, uh, that the sanctity of life is the most important thing that is on the docket today, that uh, the unborn should be protected. So, Lord God, we just thank you and we praise you that no matter what happens in this election, that we know that you're in control and it is for your good and for our good also. In this name we pray, amen. Amen. So we're going to sing one more that I think communicates everything that we have uh, been talking about up until this point. So it's a great song, great hymn. If you guys would stand, let's sing this in faith together as we truly look forward to the coming of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ.
Make straight a highway, a path for the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. Call back the sinner, wake up the saint. Let every nation shout of your fame. Yes, Jesus is coming soon. Like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be a church ready for you. Lord, and we know that you keep every promise you have ever made. Even so, come, O oh Lord, we pray. 
to pray for the message today that your name will be glorified and that your word will become alive in our hearts. We pray for us to pay attention, Lord, that we will come out of this place renewed and fed with your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. It's uh, very fitting to finish our, conclude our season of prayer. Not that we want you to stop praying in any way. I think uh, I'm hoping and praying that through this time it, it has encouraged us and challenged us and that we have all grown in our prayer life. I know I have, uh, I have grown tremendously in my prayer life through this time. Um, seeing God answer um, some amazing prayers and, and uh, I'm just going to go ahead and share this. I hadn't asked permission, but I'm just going to share it anyway. Um, so we, we do have a prayer list, the prayer guide that we print out every week. And, and so uh, I try to go through that at least once a week to just pray through the names and the people as you, you guys submit prayer needs, you need to know that there are people that are praying through that. Um, but the other day I was looking through the prayer guide and, um, I saw a gentleman on there named Brendan, and um, he's a good friend of, of one of our members here, my, my brother, my brother Adrian, Mac. And I hadn't, I hadn't talked to Mac in a while, and I hadn't heard about Brendan. Brendan is, was awaiting two major organ transplants, uh, basically um, on uh, holding on for dear life. And I called Mac up the other day. And I said, hey, man, I just hadn't heard from you for a while. And I was praying through our prayer guide. And I was thinking about Brendan. I just wanted to know I hadn't heard anything. How has he been doing? He said, look, he's just still hanging on by the grace of God. He's still waiting. He's in Vanderbilt waiting two transplants. And you guys know as well as I do, those things are, are up in the air. just hit or miss. You don't really know. And, and one, one organ is enough. But, but to have two, and he needed them both uh, in order to be able to survive. And um, we had a time of prayer. We prayed for Brendan. I don't think it may have been an hour later, I get a phone call, and guess what? He got both organs. Just like that, and I'm, and I'm like, why, why would I be surprised? Like, like, how many times do we doubt God? How many times, and, and I don't know, like he's in recovery, doing well and recovering. So, I mean, just, just think about that for just a second. I mean, he's on death's door, he's hanging on, he doesn't know if he's going to make it. And just simply, and it has nothing to do with me or anything like that, but just for, for us to be faithful to pray and trust God and expect him to do big things and great things and mighty things. He's still in the miracle working business. And we see things like this and we need to hear those kind of testimonies because it encourages us and reminds us that God is still working. He's still very much in control, that he still hears and answers prayer. Amen? And that's what this is really all about. This whole season is for us to, to get reacquainted with the God that we know and that we love and believe him to be who he says he is. And so as we kind of bring all of this to a close and a conclusion, obviously we know the, the big news. You can't go anywhere from hearing about the election and the polls and all this kind of stuff. And here in just a couple of days, you know, we'll be announcing, uh, uh, I guess, the next president of the United States and all that. And, and listen... You guys know that, that it is our civic duty and privilege to be able to vote, and we've talked all about that, and we've talked about some of the issues that I believe are the primary issues of this. But here's a, at the end of the day, this is what we always have to come back to. No man is the Savior except who? Jesus Christ. 
No president is the savior of this nation. No political party is, this, is our savior. We're not looking to men or politics or government to save us and to get us to where we want to be and where we need to be. We're only looking to Jesus Christ, and he's the only one that is sufficient because he's the only one who has fulfilled all righteousness and died in our place and been resurrected from the dead, defeating death. And, and the part of the gospel that many times we forget about is that he's what? He's coming. He will return in due time, in his season. Jesus Christ will come. He will return. It's a promise. It is as connected to the gospel as his death, burial, and resurrection, his ascension to heaven. We know that he's coming back. And so my heart and my prayer today is that we would pray, come, Lord Jesus. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Now, this is an interesting prayer, and I'm going to tell you why. Because if you're here today and, and you have a relationship with Jesus and your salvation is secure and you know that you belong to God and you know that, that nothing can snatch you from his hand and you know that, that you, you have everlasting life and you will never perish and you, you know that you know that you know you have this relationship with Jesus Christ. For you today, the news of the, of the return of Jesus Christ is the best news that we all could hear today. It's the greatest news that any of us could ever imagine that the day of the Lord's visitation is here. Jesus Christ has come. The, the, all of our sin and sorrows and death and suffering will be no more. We will receive resurrected bodies. We will celebrate in the kingdom with him. We will inherit responsibilities. We will reign with Christ in his kingdom. It is joy unimaginable that mind has not conceived, our eyes have not seen, and neither has our ear ever heard the things that God has prepared for those who love us. Listen, it is the greatest day that we can possibly begin to imagine. But on the other hand, it's a dreadful day. It's a day of darkness, a day of terror, a day of judgment, a day of wrath, a day of fire. And that's why in the book of Joel, he calls it the great and terrible day. Because in one way, it's awesome, it's great, it's wonderful for God's people. And on the other hand, it's what? It's terrible. It is horrific. It is unimaginable what that day will be like for those who have rejected the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ. And so I, I wrestle with that this morning, as should you, when we start thinking about when we pray for, yes, Lord Jesus, come and even come quickly, there is a tension in that prayer because we know on one hand, yes, we're okay, our soul may be secure, our eternal destiny has been sealed. However, there are probably many people in our life today that had, if the Lord were to return anytime soon, they're in big trouble. And guys, I know that God takes no pleasure. He does not delight in the punishment of the wicked. Neither should we. And so there is a little bit of tension. But the reason we pray this prayer, which I'm going to call this morning the, the Maranatha cry, okay? And I've talked about that. You've probably heard me use that term before. I'm going to tell you where that comes from in just a minute. But the reason I pray that prayer today is because there is still hope. As long as we're here, as long as we have breath, as long as we're alive, and as long as the Lord tarries, there's still what? There's still hope. Amen. 
And that hope is in the message of the gospel. That hope is in the person and the work of Jesus Christ. So there is still hope. We have that hope. We're called to share that hope that as long as we have breath and life and we're still here and the Lord tarries, there's hope. And that's the message of the Maranatha cry. And so if you, if you have your Bibles, you can look. It's just one verse. This, this passage, this one verse is in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. It's a very unique verse. And what's interesting about it is that Paul is writing to the church in Corinth, and he, he's closing out his first letter to the church uh, in Corinth, and he, and he uses this phrase, Maranatha, which is interestingly an Aramaic phrase. So you guys understand the different languages. The Bible is, is written in at least three different languages. It's, it's in Hebrew. Uh, the majority of the New Testament is pretty much written in Greek, but then there are portions of the Old Testament, and even Jesus and his disciples would have spoken another language called Aramaic. And Paul uses this unique phrase that is, that is called the Maranatha cry in 1 Corinthians 16. This is what he says. If anyone has no love for the Lord, this is strong now. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be accursed. O oh Lord, come. Maranatha. That's, that's strong. So this is the, the heart cry of every believer. Think about how many times we consider this deep longing for Jesus to return. When Jesus taught us to pray, he said, Our Father who is in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. What do we pray when we say, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, what are we really saying when we pray that? We're praying, Lord Jesus, we're ready for you to come and bring your kingdom with you to set up your kingdom here on earth. That's not just a symbolic prayer for us to say, well, Lord, we want you to be king over our lives, and Lord, we want you to be king over our hearts, and all, and all that is good and true. Ultimately, when Jesus taught us to pray, your kingdom come, he's saying, Lord, we're excited and we're anticipating and we're expecting you to come and establish your kingdom here on this earth. We think about, again, the message of the gospel. You know, there's three tenses to salvation. Did you know that? Very fascinating. Christ has died. That's in the what? It's in the past. And when we believe in Jesus, we are justified. And that's something that happens immediately in the past, and it's once and for all, and it can never change. So Christ has died. We're justified. We're regenerated. It's a once-in-a-lifetime occurrence. It happens when we believe and trust in Jesus. We never, we never lose that. Christ has died. Christ is what? Risen. He, that's what? What tense? Present tense. It means he's alive. He offers us salvation. He provides his presence and his help and his strength in our lives. And that's called sanctification. And so that we're saved by God's grace. We're justified. Now we're in Christ Jesus, the living, risen Lord, and we're being what? Sanctified. It means he's taking us in our old sinful ways and he's making us into the image and likeness of his son, Jesus Christ. He's, he's renewing our what? Renewing our mind. He's ridding us of that old sinful nature that we fight against every single day. And that will never stop until we either die and go to him or he what? Or he comes. 
Christ has died, passed. Christ is risen today. It means he's what? He's alive. But the last tense is future. Christ will what? Come again. And that's the day when the last part of our salvation is completed. We will be glorified. And these bodies, praise God, these old, broken down, beat up, sickly bodies that waste away, they will be transformed into glorious, resurrected bodies. Can we get an amen to that? Amen. And that's yet future. Now think about what I just said. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. That is the heart cry of the message of the gospel. Now listen, unfortunately, many times churches, they want to emphasize the cross of Jesus Christ. Yes, we should do that. They want to emphasize the resurrection of Jesus Christ. 100% we should do that. It is the foundation of our faith. But many times we forget to talk about what? The return. The coming. And there's many reasons for that, and I'm not going to get into those reasons today. Sometimes because of the way people interpret Scripture and their belief system, uh, they don't preach on the second coming of Jesus Christ because they don't think that it's that significant in the future. And a lot of people approach the prophetic word as if it's either all just symbolic and we really don't get any meaning out of it, or some people believe everything's already been fulfilled in the past and so we don't have anything to look forward to. And you say, well, that's kind of crazy. But there's a lot of believers who think that way and believe and approach the scriptures that way. Obviously, you know, I don't. And I don't think we should. I think that there are many things, signs and prophetic uh, words that we read in the scriptures that are pointing us and teaching us what to look for as the day approaches when Jesus Christ will come back. And we're to be aware and awake and alert and conscious and sober-minded and all those kind of things, anticipating the return of Jesus Christ. And so we think about the Maranatha cry, the very last chapter, and nearly the very last verse in the Bible says this, Revelation twenty-two twenty. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come Lord Jesus, the Apostle John. The Bible closes out with this Maranatha cry. Surely I'm coming soon. Amen. Come. I think about a couple of passages. One is in the book of Acts as, as we think about the ascension of Jesus. And I'll, just, I'll share this with you briefly in Acts chapter 1. Listen to what... Luke writes, he says, And when, they had, when he had said these things to them, they were looking on, and he was lifted up, and on a cloud took him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven as he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes and said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go. In other words, don't worry, don't get upset, don't get surprised. You're not going to miss it. This is going to be a visible event in the same way that Jesus was taken up in bodily form in the clouds of heaven and ascended to the right hand of the Father. He's going to what? Come back and return in the same way. That's the second coming of Jesus Christ. The book of Hebrews, verse chapter 9, listen to what it says. 
And just as it was appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment, so Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, when was that? On the what? On the cross. So Christ, having been offered once to bear the sins of many, will appear a second time, not to deal with sin, but to save those who are eagerly waiting for him. In other words, we should be eagerly what? Waiting for him. There's an anticipation. There is an expectation. We see this all throughout the scripture. And this is what I want to share with you this morning. Is that guys, if you're here again today and you're a believer, inwardly in your deepest spirit, testifying, the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit. We're We're children of God. But listen, you know what the scripture says? It says we're groaning on the inside. You know what that means? That there's like this holy discontentment with this this life. It doesn't mean we're ungrateful. It doesn't mean we shouldn't be content. But it just means deep, deep down inside we know that there's something better what? Coming. And what the Bible talks about is that when Jesus returns, that all of creation, didn't we just sing that? Jesus is coming, sing, all of creation will be renewed and regenerated, and God will make everything new, including the rocks and the trees and the animals and the birds and the bees, everything, our bodies, everything in all of creation. The physical universe itself will be recreated on that day when Jesus Christ returns. The Bible also talks about the fact that we, in part, can hasten the day of the Lord Jesus. Did you know that? We can make it come what? Faster. That's what I read in the scripture. You say, you don't believe me? Listen to what it says in 2 Peter 3. It says, since all these things are going to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be? Well, it says we're to live lives of holiness and godliness. Listen. As we wait for and hasten the coming of the day of God because of which the heavens will be set on fire and dissolved and the heavenly bodies will melt as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And I've often stepped back and say, how do we hasten the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? And the best that I can understand is that really it's only one way. It's by fulfilling the great commission. Because guys, there's a number. We don't know what that number is. But the Bible talks about the fullness of the Gentiles. When the time of the Gentiles is complete, when when the fullness of God's people have come into the kingdom and every soul that's going to be saved is saved, he's saying, as we fulfill the great commission and we make disciples of all nations and we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit and we are sharing the gospel to all nations, he says, in that way we hasten, we speed up the coming day of the Lord Jesus Christ. That should be some motivation for us. Because it really solves both of the problems that we have with the tension that we have. Because on one hand, yes, we want Jesus to come. He is our Savior, Redeemer, and our Lord. We're ready for him to come. But on the other hand, there are many, many people who are still lost. How do we reconcile the two? We go and make disciples. 
We share the gospel. We're the light of the world. And as we continue to be faithful with that which he has given us, guys, we actually play a role and a part in the fullness and the completion of what the Bible calls the times of the Gentiles. And when it comes to an end, and the leaders of Israel say, blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord, and they turn and repent, Jesus Christ says, they will not see me again until they say, Baruch, Hava, Hashem, Adonai, blessed be he who comes in the name of the Lord. And then he will what? He will come. Amen. That is the truth. And so, as we wrestle with this tension this morning, I just want to paint a picture for you, okay? I think one reason why many times teachers and Christians and pastors avoid the whole, the whole subject of the day of the Lord, the return of the Lord Jesus, is because, guys, when you begin to read the prophecies in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, guys, it is heavy stuff, right? A lot of people are terrified. You read, read the book of Revelation, like, oh, I don't want to read the book of Revelation. It scares me. Well, we're going we're gonna to overcome that fear beginning in January of 2021 because it should not scare you. Actually, there's a true blessing for those who read and understand the book of Revelation. But it's not just in the book of Revelation. It's all throughout the, the New Testament. It's in the prophetic scriptures, the minor and the major prophets. But when they paint a picture of the return of the Lord, guys, it's a very, very heavy and harsh picture. Judgment and death and bloodshed, it is a terrible picture. And we sit there and sometimes I think we have a very difficult time reconciling in our minds. You know, how could God really come with all that anger? How could he really come with all that fire and wrath? Like, the, you know, it's the old uh, hellfire and brimstone preachers of the days of old. You know, and people are like, man, we don't need any hellfire and brimstone. You know, we, we need to preach love and mercy and grace. Hey, you got to preach what? Both of them. You can't preach one without the other because they go hand in hand because the holiness of God and the grace of God are both part of his attributes and his nature and his character. And you can't appreciate one without the other. And so let me just paint this picture for you for just a second. Because we're just human beings and, you know, we live our lives and, you know, we, we go through some tough stuff and there's some bad things that happen to us. And we see some pretty terrible stuff and we kind of look at the world and, and we say, you know... It's bad out there, and there's some terrible things that are going on out there. But I want y'all to put yourselves, try to for just a second, put yourselves in the place of the omniscient God. Do you know what omniscient means? He knows everything. He's omnipresent. He sees everything. He hears everything. Think about this. From the very beginning, God has witnessed every human, every angelic sin, every transgression and rebellion, every act of idolatry and worship of other gods, every human sacrifice to the demons, every act of violence and injustice, every abuse and murder and rape, every lie and scam and theft, all the fake news, all the lies in the textbooks, all the indoctrination of evil, every abortion. He's heard every cry of a child who's ever been abused in pain. He's heard every cry of a wife's broken 
broken heart as her husband abuses her or abandons her. He's heard the cries of single mothers at night who don't know what to do. He hears every suffering patient who's dying of cancer or heart disease. He's, he's, he, he feels the pain of every sickness and disease. He knows the bullying and the depression and the every devastating suicide when a kid takes his own life because he's being bullied at school. He knows every crime against humanity. Every record that's been in the court has been recorded in his heavenly court since the beginning of time. Every kidnapping, all the slave labor, all the human trafficking, all the pedophilia, all the corrupt business deals, all the corrupt politicians, all the wicked rulers, all the exploitation of people, every terrorist attack, every war, every torture, every wicked act of sexual immorality, all the pornography, all the drug deals, drug overdoses, blasphemy uttered out of the mouths of sinful men. Every time the names the name of the Lord has been used in vain, God has been mocked by the proud. He has heard and seen all of it Amen. from the beginning of time. And he has waited. And he has waited. And he has waited. Amen. And there's coming a day when he will wait no more. Amen. Because God's mercy and patience does have a limit. And he is much more merciful and patient than we are. Or he would have come long ago. But he doesn't want any to perish. He wants all to come to a knowledge of truth. He wants all to repent and be saved. And yet there is coming a day. And that's what this whole day of the Lord. So think about it. All the pain, every cry, every abuse is going to heaven. And he hears it and he sees it. And he takes a record of it and he internalizes it. And that's what it means when it says that the children of wrath are storing up wrath for themselves when we sin and rebel against God. In other words, when we live sinful lives of rebellion and idolatry and immorality, we're, we're basically establishing a bank account with God. And every time we sin, and we're making a deposit, another deposit. And he's taking account. And our account's building. And our account's growing. And one day he's going to call that account and he's going to say, I'm going to give you what you deserve. Amen. Now, does that help just a little bit put into perspective the coming of Jesus Christ in the day of the Lord? Just a little bit? He hears it all, y'all. He sees everything. Now, even though we wrestle a little bit with this tension, there's a whole world out there that continues to mock and scoff at God because they fail to understand the gravity of this reckoning. Amos chapter 5, verse 18 says this, Woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. You see what I'm saying? Why would you have the day of the Lord? So that's what I'm talking about. Like, we shouldn't be excited necessarily about the day of the Lord because of the true, the, the, 
the heaviness, the seriousness, the, the, the sobering reality of what it's all about, even though we're still called to hasten and to look for and to anticipate and expect the day of the Lord. So, so there's that tension here. And Amos is saying, woe to you who desire the day of the Lord. It is darkness, it's not light. As if a man fled from a lion and a bear met him. Or he ran into the house and leaned his hand against the wall and a serpent bit him. Is not the day of the Lord darkness and not light? Gloom with no brightness in it. But every person that sits back and takes advantage of God's grace, presumes upon God's grace, hey, we've lived like this for thousands of years. He hadn't come yet, has he? Hey, my, my, my father, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, hey, they all live these kind of lifestyle that I'm living, and he didn't come back in their lifetime, right? In other words, we, we think that because the Lord, he delays, then in some way people are deluded into thinking that maybe he's not even what, he's not even going to come at all. In other words, where is the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ? There's that mock, there's that, there's that scoffing, and, and we, even as the church, kind of ridiculed, you know, do y'all really believe in all that stuff? You really think that, like, Jesus is going to come in the clouds or something and all this stuff's going to happen? You know, they laugh about it, and it's, oh, some one big, you know, funny joke to them. But there is a lost world out here Amen. that mocks the Lord. Psalm 2. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. That's Jesus. He says, let us burst their bonds apart and cast away their cords from us. In other words, we don't want any God to tell us what to do. We don't want any God to tell us how we're supposed to live our lives. Let's break away from this God. Listen to what it says. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord holds them in derision. Then he will speak to them in his wrath and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have set my king on Zion, my holy hill. God sits in heaven and laughs at those who would deny him and rebel against him and reject him and mock him and blaspheme his holy name. Second Peter he says, I'm stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder that you should remember the predictions of the holy prophets and the commandment of the Lord and Savior through your apostles, knowing first of all that scoffers will come in the last days with scoffing, following their own sinful desires, and they will say, where is the promise of his coming? For ever since the fathers fell asleep, everything continues as they were from the beginning of creation what's even more amazing is that when you do start looking into the book of revelation and you see as God truly begins to pour out judgments upon the earth even after God's judgments 
on the earth. Listen to what it says about the people of the earth who are ungodly. It says, The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold, silver, and bronze, and stone, and wood, which cannot see, hear, or walk, nor did they repent of their murders, or their sorceries, or their sexual immorality, or their thefts. In other words, there's going to be a multitude of people who deny him to the very end. Guys, I, it's hard for me to take, take that in. But there's hope. And as I said before, and I'm going to close in this, is that as much as we anticipate and expect the return of Jesus and we, we embrace it, we welcome the coming of Jesus because of what it means for us that he will avenge the blood of the martyrs. He will avenge the blood of the saints. That he will avenge and make right everything that has been wrong. He will punish all those for their wickedness and their ungodliness. That he will make everything new. He will give us glorified bodies. We will inherit the kingdom of God. There will be a day when he wipes every tear from our eyes. We will have no more suffering and pain and sorrow and sickness and death. All of that is real. All of that is true. And we embrace that and we welcome that. But until that day, we have one job. It's the hope of nations. It's Jesus. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. Last time I checked, all means everybody. See, we have the message of grace of the gospel for who? For all people. For the whole world, for the whole world. For the rich and the poor, for the rich and the poor. For the black and the white, for the black and the white. For the young and the old, for the young and the old. For the male and the female, it doesn't matter. You understand what I'm saying? We have the gospel and the grace of God that has been given to us and entrusted to us for all people. This is what the gospel says. For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people. And he trains us. The gospel trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. This is our role. This is our responsibility. As we wait for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all lawlessness and to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Who's our blessed hope? Jesus. Who's the hope of the nations? Jesus. How do we hasten and expedite the coming of the day of the Lord, we go and what? Make disciples. It's not very complicated. We make it that way. So we're going to enter into a time of prayer. And I'm going to go ahead and ask our praise team as they, as they make their way up to kind of get ready for leading us in our last song of worship. Guys, I don't know what it is, because I deal with it too, but I just don't know why anymore, why any of us would ever be afraid to share the gospel anymore. 
I mean, what's, what's the worst that's going to happen to us if we share the gospel? Think about it. Maybe we'll lose a friend. Maybe we'll get laughed at. Maybe we'll get called names. You know, here in America, it's not quite the religious persecution, but, you know, believers in other parts of the world, they share the gospel. It might cost them their family business. It might cost them their house. It might cost them their life. Okay. But as a believer, we die to be absent from the body. You just send me straight to where I want to go anyway, right? Is that the worst that can happen if we share the gospel? What's the worst that can happen if we don't? Eternity in hell. For people who need to hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, it might mean everlasting life Amen. for them. I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't understand why. why. I'm, I'm talking to myself. Why do I not open my mouth more? And that's the question I'm going to leave all of us with today as we look ahead to the future. Will you pray with me? Father, forgive us today for hiding our light under a basket, for cowering down to a culture that wants to intimidate and call us names and tell us we're judgmental and all the the lies that we've been conditioned to believe. Lord, forgive us today. Lord, I, I don't know what else to say, but that we're sorry. Forgive us. And, and please, Lord, just fill us with such a full measure of your spirit that, that and, and the full measure of the light of Christ, that, Lord, that we would go into this dark world and that we would be unashamed of the gospel, unashamed of you, Jesus that you would give us eyes to see the world in the way that you see it and how you hear such pain and anguish and torment and sorrow and abuse every single day. And we think about a, a lost world that is in rebellion. And Lord, we have been given a responsibility to participate in your kingdom by going and being disciple makers and sharing the good news, Lord. Come what may. Okay, so what if it costs us some embarrassment? or it cost us a relationship, or maybe it cost us our job, or maybe it even cost us our life, you're worth it. And I pray, Lord, for a spirit of boldness, as you have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, Lord. And I pray for our churches everywhere around this world, especially here in this nation, Lord, where it's unpopular to be a Christian. If that's the worst that it cost us, Lord, then let us be unpopular. And give us a spirit of courage and a spirit of faith and a burden for the lost, Lord, so that we would be faithful, that you would find us making disciples and sharing the gospel when you do come. 
Lord, how would we want you to find us? What what would we want you to find us doing when you return? There's nothing greater than for us to be testifying, standing up, shouting from the rooftops the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that there is hope for the nations, even as we at the same time pray, come, Lord Jesus, even so. Father, as we sing this last song, I pray that many of us in this room today need to fully surrender our lives, our fears, and our future to you. I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing that I've made it. Forgive us and help us to surrender all. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Wherever you are today, if you want to stand and sing with us, you might need to pray, you might need to grab a friend. If you need to come talk with me, we're here and available. But let's stand together and sing this last song before we go.
Tuesday night, for those of you who feel like uh, coming to gather with your church family, we're going to have some wonderful time of dedicated prayer. I want to encourage you guys, if you've never fasted before, to try to uh, use Tuesday, November 3rd, as a day of fasting, and that can look different for everybody. Maybe you start with one meal. Maybe you fast the entire day from food. Maybe you fast from your phone. Maybe you fast from social media. I don't know. It's giving up something that you're used to having, the comforts and things that we have and we appreciate. We're willing to give that up for the purposes of prayer. And we're coming back up here at 6.30 Tuesday night to uh, have different prayer stations. And you come bring your spouse, your family, your group, your friend, whoever it may be. Or come alone. It doesn't matter. You'll be with your church family. And we're going to spend about an hour, hour and a half or so praying. And then if we have time uh, at the end, hopefully we'll be able to come back together and just uh, finish off the night together singing praises to God and um, finishing with, with a time of prayer as a group. So... I'm really excited about that. I hope and pray that you would consider being with us. And if you're not able to make it, then maybe that's a good opportunity for you to do that where? At home, right? Wherever you are. So just be in a spirit of prayer, especially over the next few days. And um, listen, th that song right there just reminded me that, that we, we overcome through surrender. One of the great paradoxes of life. When we surrender all is when we actually overcome. It's a wonderful blessing of God. And so I just want to send you out with the blessing of the Lord as we go. And I just thank you guys. I love you so much. And who knows where the Lord's leading us next. But we're going to wait on him and trust him to do that. Amen. Let's pray. Let the Lord bless you and keep you and forever cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he lift up his countenance upon us and give us peace as we go. In the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen. 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 Thank you.